Today's episode is brought to you by Podcast Pipeline. We'll take care of all your podcast production so you can focus on your business. Visit us at podcastpipeline.com. Here's the question. Are you a business owner wanting to grow your business, but you're struggling with how your podcast can help? Well, welcome to the show that's about to change all that. I am your host, Cliff Dubinois, and in this podcast, we're taking the problems of podcasting head on. Entrepreneurs like you will share their strategies, tactics, and tips that they use every day with their podcast to make it an effective marketing and revenue tool in their toolkit. Welcome to Entrepreneurs on Podcasting. Hey there, world changers. Welcome back for another episode of Entrepreneurs on Podcasting. Today's guest is a business and leadership advisor, trainer, author, award-winning speaker, as well as a podcast host. Her company helps businesses and organizations operate more constructively and profitably. She's the author of Succeed Without Selling, Lemonade Stand Selling, which is totally cute, and Expert Insights. She's a member of the Newsweek Expert Forum and sits on the NAWBO Cleveland Board of Directors and is also a member of the Board of Directors for the NSME Northeast Chapter. She's been featured in Inc.'s list of 100 podcasts that will make you smarter, better, and wiser. So I'm going to subscribe. MSNBC's Your Business and on the Fit Small Business list of Best Small Business Podcasts, the show is designed to help small business owners, salespeople, and aspiring entrepreneurs with various aspects of business success. Please welcome to the show, the host of the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast, Diane Helbig. Diane, how are you? I'm fabulous. How are you, Cliff? I'm doing well. Thank Good. you for asking. Sure. Tell us a little bit more about your business. Well, my business is really two parts, advising and training. So the advising side, I advise small business owners around whatever's getting in their way and we create strategies that are specific to them to get those things out of their way so they can be successful. And then on the training side, I train people in all sorts of companies, all sizes, all industries around sales, customer service, leadership, and time management. I, I want to ask this question and kind of dive into it uh, a little bit more because this kind of stuff to me is always fascinating. So you've consulted with a number of small businesses helping them, and you specifically said what is getting in their way. Mm -hmm. What would you say is like maybe the top one or two things that you consistently see that is getting in people's way? Oh, that's such a good question. I think uh, I see two things a lot. The first one is that they uh, don't want to sell. They don't think they're a salesperson. They shy away from it. They don't understand it, whatever it is. So they struggle with growing their business. And the second one is that they there are so many things that they want to do, and they're trying to do them all at the same time. Focus, yes. Work. Yeah. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I and I see that a lot with businesses. They'll have a great product or service that's out there. And I was talking to a previous guest about this very aspect. They create a product or a service and they think it should sell itself. And they, they literally wait for it to sell itself rather than realizing that they have to, you know, actually get out there and, and do something about it. Exactly. That's right. When the phone rings, I'm a great salesperson. Okay, well, no, you're an order taker. <laughs> it's just, it's a whole <laughs> way. <laughs> right. Yes. Nice. So for your business, 
What made you decide to get into podcasting? So originally, I decided to get into podcasting way back when we called it internet radio because wow. I, I know it was 13 years ago. I wanted to be able to provide as much information as I possibly could to as many small business owners as I could, and I'm only one person. So I thought, hey, I'll do internet radio and I can get in front of a broader audience. I can bring experts in. So originally that was my motivation. Yeah, but why not, why not take advantage of like YouTube or another platform like that? What was specifically about podcasting drew you to it? Oh, gosh, that's a good question. This is going to sound really probably a little silly, but I didn't realize how much uh, that podcasting was really going on. And so I was thinking to myself, wow, if I could do radio and do radio on the Internet, that would be really unique. And at, at the time, YouTube really wasn't unique. We'd had YouTube for a while and people sure. were used to it. Not as much as they, they are now. They weren't harnessing it like they do now. But, right, right. you know, it was pretty much already a thing. And so I, I just thought this would be new and interesting and different. And why not? And I appreciate that. Many moons ago, when I first got into doing podcasting, my business coach actually said, start a podcast. Uh, and when I asked him why, he said, because this is going to differentiate you in the marketplace because you're doing something different. And he was right. Yeah. I couldn't find anybody within like you know, 500 miles of me that was doing, doing a podcast in my vertical. So that right there alone was a key differentiator. Yeah. But I do want to point out, because now translating that into modern times is they say that there's 1.5 million podcasts that are out there, but. 60 to 80% of them have gone into pod fade, meaning nobody's producing any new content. So it's still the wild west out there as far as being able to create a show, gather a following online and be able to get your message out there. Let's talk a little bit about, let's talk a little bit about what podcasting has done for your business. How has it helped your business? Boy, and in so many ways that I wasn't even expecting. So I've definitely gotten business out of it as listeners have gotten the opportunity to get you, even though I'm interviewing people, they still get to hear who I am and my thought process and things. So I've had people right. reach out to me and want to hire me. And I've built such great relationships with so many of the guests that I've had on the podcast that that has brought me other opportunities, opportunities to speak at conferences, opportunities to co-create and webinars and, and whatnot. I mean, it's really, and there's a credibility factor that happens with doing a podcast and having it on these lists of great podcasts that is really valuable. When you're trying to position yourself as a thought leader, that helps a lot. That's been significant. Sure, I bet. And I like what you say about build, having it be a really great network or a relationship tool, because that's, I'm creating these laws of podcasting right now. And the Cliff's law of podcasting, number one, podcasting is the ultimate relationship building tool. It is. Right? And yes. it's, yeah, and it's a very common theme that I'm hearing amongst a lot of people that I'm interviewing about how, you know, podcasting has been a great way for them to be able to expand, you know, network, get to meet people like I get to meet you by yep. doing this. So that's great. Yep. I'm absolutely loving it. So you were talking before, and I want to explore this a little bit. You were talking before about how your podcast has helped you to get speaking engagements. 
And I know that you're an award-winning speaker. I want to know, like, how did this happen to the timeline? Were you already a speaker before you got into podcasting? Or were you into podcasting and said, you know what? I'd really like to add speaking as one of my potential revenue streams. So both happened at the same time. I was building both. Yeah, at the same time. Um, But originally, my speaking was really started locally. Okay. And so one of the things that the podcast has helped with is building a national and international awareness of my business and, and my, has given me opportunities to speak outside of Northeast Ohio. Nice. What was one of your biggest struggles when you got into podcasting? So when I first got into podcasting, I was doing it live and oh. I was, I don't. <laughs> You're brave. I'm going to put that out there right now. You're brave. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Twice a month, like always on, I think it was two Mondays during the month, the second and fourth, let's just say, always at the same time. And so I didn't have a problem getting guests, but I had a problem with them showing up. So, Ah. and getting me the information that I needed in order to prepare for the podcast. Because since I was interviewing people about their expertise, I, I needed some information from them. And so it would be the day of the interview, a half an hour before, and I still wouldn't have the information. And then they would, and then I ended up scheduling so far out because I was only doing it twice a month, right? That they didn't remember. And even when I sent them a reminder, it still didn't happen. So there I was live, and no guest, and and I, it just drove me out of my mind. So I stopped doing it live. I started recording. That solved that problem. And, and now, and I could increase the amount of times I was publishing in a month because I could do more in a day and not worry about it. Hey everyone, we're going to take just a moment to thank today's sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Podcast Pipeline. Do you love editing your podcast episodes? Yeah, I didn't think so. You're an entrepreneur, not an audio engineer. The point being is that those hours that you're spending could be better spent on your business or with your family. That's why Podcast Pipeline offers full production podcast services. We take care of your podcast so you don't have to. And that means your time will be yours again to focus on what's really important. Visit us at podcastpipeline.com to learn more about how our services can help you. And now back to the show. And it's very interesting that you bring that up. It's first time that's actually been uh, talked about on this show. So let's talk about being different. There we go. But you're right. And this is something that I came across. I've done interview-based podcasts before where a guest says, oh yeah, I'll be on your show. And it gets to be time to do the interview and they're not there. And I you know, call, I email and I'm like, hey, we scheduled to do an interview. And they're like, oh, I forgot. So part of my process is I use a service called OnceHub to schedule desk, which you Uh used uh, with my producer. And I feel bad doing this because I feel like I'm almost bombarding them. But I sent so many reminder emails through that thing about, hey, your interview's in a couple of days. Hey, your interview's tomorrow. Hey, your interview's in a couple hours. Just to keep, you know, reminding people and and you have to. And fortunately with this show here, I've only had one uh, snafu as far as scheduling. So out of all the people that have been on the podcast, you know, they've all shown up. Yeah. But this is something to to really take note of, especially for people who are listening and are thinking about doing an, an interview-based show, 
is that you really do have to communicate often with guests that are going to be on there. And especially if the guest is somebody who's like a, a B-level person or even an A-level person, you, you just have to keep reminding them because they may not always get it on their schedule. They'll forget they get busy. Life happens. I'm glad that you brought that up because I think that's a really good topic. So for you, yeah. you know, you pivoted your show and said, hey, you know what? Let's not do it live. Let's go ahead and start recording ahead of time. And this has helped to, to solve um, your problem. Is there anything else that you struggled with when getting your podcast up and running? So getting it up and running, not getting it up and running, because once I did that, I created structures. So there's a form they have to fill out. I recently sure. put that form as a fillable form on JotForm. So then it just comes right to me. And I have a lot of like booking agencies that know me, know my podcast. So they send me people. Oh, and, wonderful. Yeah. And 99% of the time, the people they send are absolutely right for the podcast and they're Sweet. used to my form. And so I've got a bit of an intermediary though. I still have people not show up. I just don't care now. I just, if they don't message me and say, when we schedule, then whatever, uh, we just move on. I, I really, right. it's not a big deal. But since the pandemic, so many people have gotten into wanting to be guests that they are reaching out. They're saying they've listened. I'm not convinced that they've listened because then what they pitch isn't what I do. So that's been a little frustrating lately. Or they'll fill out the form and they won't follow the guidelines of the form about what I'm looking for. And, and that's frustrating because it, it doesn't work. I'm not going to change my process. It's worked for 13 years. It's, you know, I, I'm keeping it. Yeah. And I appreciate that because with, it's a big thing that I hear a lot now with marketing is get your book yourself as on as many podcasts as you possibly can. What they don't say is that make sure that your message is relevant to their audience and that you can provide value to their audience. Right. So what they do then is literally the term that comes to mind is carpet bomb. Yes. Right. They just go out there and they just, they either find it or have their VA do it. And they just carpet bomb all kinds of podcasts out there and just say, Hey, I'd love to be on your podcast. And this is what I talk about. And I get a podcast request for somebody who wants to talk about cats. My interview is my podcast is not about cats. Sorry. That's, that's not going to happen. They don't care yeah. because they can go back to whomever and say, I applied to 200 podcasts. Oh, right. good for you. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Right. So that is a little bit frustrating having to yes. sift through all those people that just aren't a good fit. Yes. Yes, exactly. So now what is some of the, the criteria? Cause I know we've talked a lot on here about having guests and, and doing interview and I'm, I'm fascinated with this topic. What is some of the criteria that you use to weed people out? So you don't wind up getting a bad guest. Obviously if their message is completely wrong, that's one indicator, but what yeah. are some of the other things that you look for? So what I look for is the questions that they give me. So I ask my guests to give me a short bio as they want it read, a title for the episode, a brief like blurb summary about it, and then 10 questions that I can ask if I need them to keep the conversation going. Because I'll ask other questions. Others will fall in as we're talking, but I want to make sure I have enough questions to ask so that we can have a really meaningful conversation. And so they are sharing their expertise with the listeners. That's the key. The questions have to be about where your expertise lies. And, and one of the biggest indicators for me that I don't, that I'm not going to interview them is when all or 
even half of the questions are about them and their business and not about educating the listeners. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty much of a, you know what about that? I mean, I, I really am. I'm, uh, you know. Mm-hmm. No, because once again, what we were just talking about before, they have to, if you're going to sh- get a guest on your show, they got to provide value to their audience. And if they're going to spend all of their time talking about themselves, right? that's not value. That's just, no. that's just ego inflation. Yes. You know? And there's plenty of podcasts that interview people about their journey, about their company, about their, right? Which is great. It's just not mine. Right. So, and I'm very clear in the email that I send, bold print, I do not interview people about themselves. (laughs) I don't know how else I can tell you, don't do this. But it's because people have to read. They don't want to read anymore. They don't want to read anymore. (laughs) So true. (laughs) <laughs> no, I love it. And that's actually really, that's, that's really clever. Tell us like some of the biggest successes that you've had with your podcast. So I do have to say that getting on the inc.com a hundred podcasts you should listen to was a pretty big deal. Uh, right? That is huge. That is huge. I know. And I didn't know that it had happened. My sister texted me and said, oh my God, look at this with the link. And I went to it and it was number six. And I was like, whoa. What? Crazy. And the next day, I got an email from a woman who said, congratulations, you know, on on the success of your podcast. Would you like to interview the VP of talent of Chick-fil-A? As uh, Of course I would. (laughs) You know, let me think about that for five seconds, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then it's just made, made. Then it was on MSNBC's Your Business. Yep. And I was in New York at a wedding and people were texting me and calling me and saying, Diane, you're on TV right now. I still had no idea. <laughs> oh, wow. And I, so I called one of them, like, what are you talking about? Diane, you're on MSNBC. And sure enough, it was one of five or six or something podcasts for small. So, so, I mean, that I, I could never do it again. And that would be enough for me. Just right. that sort of recognition that I'm bringing that sort of value to small businesses. All I was looking for. Now, getting that level of, of notoriety for something that you work so hard and craft on, and like we were talking about before is, is part of that is the quality of the guests that you bring on and making yeah. sure that they make sure that they add value. So yeah, having to do that is something wonderful. And it, it just seems to me based on what you were just telling me, cause that was going to be my follow-up question was, did you have to fill something out and submit it to ink? But it just looks like somebody there just found your podcast, listened to it and said, this one is worth us, you know, considering, and they put a whole bunch of podcasts together they listen to them all and they ranked yours sixth. Yeah. Crazy. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. That's awesome. Yeah. So for our, our audience, I want to make sure that I, I reiterate this point. You never know who's listening to your podcast. So it's not a matter of how many downloads you got. It's a matter of who's listening to it. And if it's the right audience, because so you know, one person like with, in your example, there, the one person happened yeah. to be somebody at Inc who was in charge of doing this and they yeah. found your podcast. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, it's exactly right. And that's why you have to be true. I believe it's why you have to be true to your format and true to your audience always. That That's why I don't waver from it. I, I haven't changed it in the entire time, I, other than not doing it live anymore. The format's the same. The point is the same. The goal is the same because that's what the listeners expect. Right. That's what they want. That's why they show up. That's why they listen when they're walking their dog, all of those things. 
And and I feel like, you know, that's the commitment that I'm making. And I think all podcast hosts should have that in mind. Definitely. Yep. I agree. What I would like to do is I would talk, uh, I'd like to talk about, because you've written several books, mm-hmm. like I, Lemonade Stand Selling. I love that. Right? That's just, that's, <laughs> that's wonderful. So you've got a couple of books that are out there. For a lot of the, you know, the podcasters that are out there, entrepreneurs with podcasting, I've actually interviewed a few people on the show. There's, there's a direct correlation between their podcast and the book. They just went out and they produced a bunch of podcast episodes, had them transcribed, and then that became a book mm-hmm. or they had a book and then they're like, you know what, I'm going to start taking my framework in this book, break it down and create podcast episodes. So is there that correlation for you in your podcast? Cause I know you said you do a lot of uh, interviews. But is there that correlation for you as well? There is with my second book, Expert Insights, because Expert Ah, Insights is the 10 most listened to episodes of my podcast are transcribed and are, that's what that book is. And at the time, it's at the time, these were the 10 most listened to podcasts. And they cover all different areas of business. So it was perfect. It just covered the gamut. Nice. Now, for those uh, 10 most listened to episodes, is one of those episodes stand out to you? And if I may be so bold, could you talk about what one of those episodes was about? Oh, my gosh. Sure. So one of the episodes was Joe Abraham's Entrepreneurial DNA, where he talks about the different kinds of entrepreneurs who show up and why that matters. That was a great interview. Dr. Jim Smith talked about Customer service. That was a really Ooh. good one too. Yeah, he's really good. He's great. Yeah, those are two I can think of. And it's the strategy that you're using there. It reminds me of Tim Ferriss when he wrote his book Tools of Titans. And what he did is he went back to a lot of his podcast guests and said, "Hey, could you give me content?" And he that book is like a thousand pages or something crazy like yeah. that. I don't even want to buy it because I'm afraid I'll drop it on my foot and it'll break. <laughs> but there's, so there's something to be said about being able to and just be able to track this and. All you have to really, your guests provided all the content for you. Yes. You just had to hammer it into, you know, a book and get it published and get it out there. And it, that right there creates another, you know, potential revenue stream for your business. Yeah. Yeah. It's right. It's just repurposing content and it's good Mm -hmm. content and it's good for the guest because they can reference it, that they're in this book. So, yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. And that's also a reminder too, that not everybody consumes information the same way. So somebody may not be into podcasting, but they're in the books. And then somebody says, Hey, you should read this book because it's really good. And they buy it. And that introduces them to you, your brand, your mission, what you're on. And next thing you know, they're checking out all your other stuff and potential client on the way. Because just like you never know who's listening, you never know who's reading. Right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. How did you get the idea to do that? Oh, so I (laughs) have... So I'd written my first book, Lemonade Stand Selling, right. and I was feeling like I should write another book, but I just don't have one in my head. And my friend, Lisa Ryan said, oh, just take your podcast, take 10 episodes, <laughs> put them into a book. I'm like, oh my God, that's genius. So, Beautiful. I know. It's great. That's what I did. It's really nice. For the entrepreneur out there who has a podcast, maybe they're struggling with it. Um, they're not really sure how to use it for their business. What would be, based on your experience, what would be uh, one or two pieces of advice that you would give them? So the first thing I would say is make sure that you set up a method for sharing that content out into the world, that that you have a a very specific structure for that, because otherwise you're going to get really busy and you're not going to maximize 
the marketing value of your podcast. Oh, love that. Yeah, so that would be the first thing. And, and make sure that the guest, if you're doing interview style, that the guest is doing that as well. The second thing I would say is make sure you create process through the entire thing. Yes. Because it's a lot of work. It's enjoyable work, but any piece of it falls down and it can be a real headache. Yeah, I love that. And this is probably one of the first times we've really delved into that on this podcast, creating that process. I know for a number of years, I just had the entire thing in my head yeah, and I just did things automatically. And this is actually why, uh, and I'm very open about this, exactly why my podcast at the beginning kept slipping into pod fade was because yeah, I was spending 10 or 12 hours but I wasn't understanding where my time was going or what was consuming it. And it wasn't until I talked to a time management expert when she asked me for the process for my podcast episode and I didn't have one. <laughs> yeah. So she came back and said, you have to create one. So yes. I did. And once I saw it as a checklist, then all of a sudden that's when I was able to step back and say, wow, do I really need to do that step? Do I right. really need to do this one? But the second thing is like what you were alluding to before, that process almost bakes in the quality. Mm -hmm. of the episode and the mm -hmm. consistency of that episode. So that way people know exactly what they're going to get every time they know that they're going to get, like you were talking about before value. Yeah. So you're not going to have an episode fly in where John Smythe is just talking to himself. You right. know, there's going to be every episode is going to be something of high value for them. Exactly. And if you end up getting a bad, like I, I have to be honest and say, I have interviewed people where the interview was terrible. Then. You just don't publish it, but you know, because you have your guidelines, you have your format, you have your system, and then automate as much of it as you can so that you're not the one chasing everything. When I have an automatic email, when someone sends me a pitch, I just hit reply, grab a signature that's got the content in it that says, you know, thanks for your outreach, go to this link, fill out this form. We'll be in touch. So then they just go, they fill out the form, the form comes back to me. If I want to schedule them another one with a link to go to the scheduler, they can, I've got time blocked out when I do podcasting. It's just that sort of, so that it, it's a well-oiled machine. You don't have to think a lot about it. And as much automation as you can do with the process. So then you can be present when you're doing the podcast. Yes. And actually what you're referring to there is like, like we were talking before about processes, how I listed out everything on my framework and then I yes. could go through and eliminate automate is step two, eliminate, automate, and then delegate. And for me, that's just been an absolute lifesaver when it's come to my podcast and get it out there. But I want to go back and I want to chase something down that you said. Sure. And I'm, and I'm glad that you said this because again, this is another topic I don't think we've discussed on this particular podcast. If you interview somebody, you are not obligated to publish that interview. That's right. If you don't think that interview is going to serve your audience or this person's going to bring value to your audience, you don't have to publish the episode because first off, you're in charge of the episode. Right. Second thing is, is you're under real no obligation to put this out there just because you interviewed somebody. You have to protect the integrity of the relationship with your audience. That's right. That's right. That's first and foremost. That's exactly right. I'm glad that you said that. It's really important. I'm glad you said it because <laughs> it's a very important point. Giving people permission yeah. to protect the, like I said, the word that comes to mind is integrity of the podcast, of the relationship with your audience. Another example here that really quick comes to mind 
is somebody wants to you know advertise on your podcast or do some kind of sponsorship or whatever yes. it is, but don't just say yes, because they're offering to pay you money. Is that going to fit in with the theme, you know, of your, of your episode in your podcast, right. or is it just there for money? Cause I, I can't tell you the number of times I've listened to a podcast and all of a sudden they have a commercial that's got nothing to do with the podcast, nothing to do with the topic or anything else. that's so far off base. Yeah. Well, I always usually skip over commercials anyways, <laughs> but for right here, it just makes me wonder, yeah, are they just chasing the buck? Are they just creating content? I don't know. It, it just, to me anyways, usually with those podcasts, I don't wind up listening to them very long. You yeah. Know, I have to wonder about that. So. Yeah. It's a good point. I, I totally agree with you. It, there, it's gotta make sense, right? You're in a lane, whatever lane you're in, embrace it and you'll get sponsors for that. There's plenty of companies out there who want to advertise to someone who's speaking to a, a specific audience. And I, I completely, completely agree with that. We were talking before about uh, creating processes and stuff for the podcast. Is this also something that happens to come up quite a bit when you're working with small businesses? <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> nice. Capturing that tribal knowledge. The funny thing about being a small business owner is that we do wear a lot of hats. Even when we delegate, there's still a lot of things that we need to pay attention to and we cannot house it all in our head. Right. So having processes that we can use to keep ourselves on track and actually moving forward with things. For me, it's breaking it down into really small pieces because it makes it so much easier to accomplish something. Right. That because you can just sort of snack at it on the way. That I find that a lot of people struggle with that and being able to create some sort of a process. So that they'll my process is going to be different from my clients. Right. Because everyone's different. So it's just really figuring out how they need to <clears throat> structure their workload, their day, whatever it is. Yeah. So that, that way we can make sure that we keep the most important things, you know, in right. focus. We don't get sidetracked. Something yep. I'm battling with almost on a daily basis. <laughs> Aren't we all? <laughs> <laughs> Aren't we all? So Diane, if anybody's listening to this and they, they want to check out your podcast, because your podcast really is a, a ton of value on a number of great topics for small businesses out there. If they want to follow you online, check you out, go where you're going, what would be the best way for them to find you? Well, so I think the best way is probably to go to my website, hellbigenterprises.com, because there they will find the podcast and, and links to it. I mean, it's, you know, it's on all of the Spotify and Apple and, and all of those sure. things, but they can also find information about the books, the different work that I do. They can sign up for my newsletter if they want to see where I'm speaking, all of that stuff. It's okay. all there in one place. All right. Wonderful. Hey everyone, I wanted to let you know that enrollment for our free five-day Start My Business podcast challenge is officially open. If you're an entrepreneur and you're thinking a podcast would be a great way to grow your business, but you're not sure how to start one, then this challenge is for you. This challenge is designed by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. Now within the five-day challenge, you'll go from ground zero to having a fully operational podcast that you can use to start growing your business. I'll be sharing with you simple tips and tricks that took me years to learn that will prevent you from spending hours on one episode. Head over to startmybusinesspodcastchallenge.com or click on the link in the show notes down below. We'll see you there.